Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got Milk campaign totally created by the Dairy Farmers Association yep. of America. Milk questionable in its health benefits actually sure. right <laughs> i don't even know if it's questionable at this it's point a little it's like it helps sus. your bones a little and murders yeah. you in every other way yeah it's really not good for you and like most of us are lactose intolerant you know yep. like if you look back at those ads those ads are bananas because they have professional athletes standing there like oh uh, after i get play fam you ain't working out and right. drinking a glass of milk that is disgusting <laughs> right that is nasty it was literally the gatorade commercials with right. milk instead with the milk of gatorade y'all are not, you a whole lot come on now <laughs> There it is, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another phenomenal episode of My Mama Told Me, the podcast where we unpack, we dive deep into the world of black conspiracy theories, and we finally work to prove that Mr. T did not cut his hair into that mohawk. The nigga just couldn't grow hair between his sideburns and that landing strip in the middle. He had a rare form of alopecia. It's called almost pecia, and the man has been crying out for help all these years. Help Mr. T, everyone, please. I'm your host, Langston Kerman. I'm delighted to be here. I'm doing well. I'm pretty much just eating snacks and enjoying myself while the world burns. It's it's the way I plan to live. I'm just going to die in the apocalypse real silly. That's my plan. My guest today. She's wonderful. I imagine she's going to do a lot of cool things before the apocalypse comes. Much more substantial than 
eating snacks and just letting things burn around her. She's amazing. She's a poet. She's a writer. She's an important thinker out in the world. You know her from her book, Electric Arches. You know her from her work on Ironheart. She fucking is writing cool ass comic books. She's amazing. Please give it up for my guest, Miss Eve Ewing. Yes. <laughs> We're excited. You got on a Goosebumps shirt. And I think that's very fitting to the conspiracy theory that you sort of brought to us. Yes, that, absolutely. That, that I think is really important that it hit home. It hit home for me in a way of sweet nostalgia that, that made me excited. You said, my mama told me. The legend of Homie the Clown. Yes. Yes. Can I tell you all about it? Yes. Tell me okay, everything so, I need to know. So first of all, I try to not be on a lot of podcasts because everybody has a podcast. Every single week, people email me and ask me to be in their podcast. I'm so honored and grateful that people want me <laughs> on their podcast. But if I said yes to all the podcasts, I wouldn't, I would literally do nothing else. So I have sure. had like a podcast moratorium for a long time now. But when your producers reached out to me, I said, okay, number one is Langston. I'm a big fan. But more importantly, this is time for me to speak my truth because I have been trying. I have been trying for years to write about this and nobody wants to hear me. Nobody wants to let me write about it. Various publications have reached out and said, oh, Eve, you have any ideas? I'm like, I want to write about Homie the Clown. And they're like, oh, I don't know. They're, you know, they're like from In Living Color. I'm like, no, it's so much deeper than that. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, Langston, you and I are pretty much the same age. You know, we're from the same place. Mm -hmm. And so I was like. Langston is going to be here for me to speak the truth to the people finally yeah. about Homie the Clown. And I knew that you would get it. So I'm here to expose the real, real. I'm so happy you're doing that. We often get these conspiracy theories that are very like big and sort of like widespread. And this is one that's so Chicago and so specific <laughs> and local. It's it's the moo and oink of conspiracy yes, theories. Yes, and I, yes. I can't wait. So please tell the people what they need to know about uh, Homie the Clown. All right. I'm going to lay it on you. Okay. So first of all, when people hear Homie the Clown right away, you may be thinking of the iconic character from In Living Color. Mm -hmm. Damon played Wayans. Played by Damon Wayans. Right. Yep. And so people are like, yeah, yeah, Homie the Clown. But when we were kids, when we were coming up, we were told, I I'm saying we, I'm assuming without you even confirming that you were also included in this. Yes, um, yes, this was a Chicago-wide uh, yes. fact. And specifically, Chicago-wide Black children, and I think, I think like children of color, because I've also heard this from like Mexican, Puerto Rican homies, mm -hmm. like kids of our vintage were told when we were kids, you need to watch out for a white van that is driving around Chicago and Homie the Clown is in it and he's going to kidnap you. And there's variations on this theme. So people would say, always a white van. There's a white yes. van driving around. And Homie the Clown was not Homie from the TV show who we all knew and loved. It was someone who had appropriated Homie's name and was using it to do nefarious deeds. There's right. a dude dressed as a clown. And oftentimes also part of this would be that he had like a sock or a bag full of rocks yeah. or nickels, <laughs> right? So he had like a sock of, of rocks and he uh -huh. was going to hit you on the head and he was going to take you away and kidnap you. And um, and and uh, if I may, murder and or molest you. Yes, Those were yes. the, the sort you're of not like coming ultimate back. threats. No, yes, you're done. You're done. Yeah. It's over for you. And furthermore, you know, obviously in the skit, in, in the sketch on In Living Color, 
that homie also hits people on the head and says, homie, don't play that, which is mm-hmm. his iconic line. But this homie is bad. So it's like a it's like a, a tethered, like underworld version of, of homie. <laughs> yeah. was, the other homie is good and funny. This homie is bad and scary. Right. This homie keeps little children awake at night, whereas the other one yes. it kind of becomes a bit that you do at school. Like, ha, ha, ha. Yes. We, remember, we all saw that thing in 1991. Right. And also the this knowledge comes to me, despite the name of the podcast. This knowledge always came to me from older kids, right? Mm. And very, very serious, like not older kids trying to scare you, but like older kids really trying to look out for you, right? And they oh. want you to, they really want you to not, to not get got by homie. And so then fast forward, I became a Chicago public school teacher. Mm-hmm. And I know you're also a former educator. Yeah. And when I was in Chicago, but you were in high school. So yeah. I, I taught at a school that was fourth grade through eighth grade. And I used to have playground duty and I taught in the school is a school on the South side. You know, I taught middle school, but the school went down as low as fourth grade. And I had playground duty, you know, once a week or whatever. And playground duty, you stand around and you talk to the kids that um, they're not social. <laughs> I'm trying to be right. nice in case any of these kids are not listening. They're I had to talking sit around to the and talk to these dorks. Right. <laughs> so I'm into that because I'm also a dork. And so it would be the kids that like they're not really trying to play basketball. And so they're kind of like yeah. hanging around you because to talk to you. And so I used to talk to kids in the morning and these kids, I overheard them saying, you know, Miss E, did you know there is a white van going around and there is a clown that is. And this blew me because, you know, this is like years and years later. And homie was never talked about in like the the media in the public, except for there's one exception, which I think we'll probably get into in act yeah, two, I assume. hundred There's a notable exception here. I too am a researcher, so you know I've like dug well, there, I, and, <laughs> and listen, there on this. researcher, you're giving me far more credit than I deserve. <laughs> I'm a nigga with Google. Well that's, I, that's good enough. <laughs> but for the most part, this isn't a thing that most people know about, right? And sure. so my theory my, th- which is real, some might call it conspiratorial, but I think that there is something about homie that only kids can like see him or access this knowledge. There's okay. something about the culture. There's a, there's a children's cause. Okay. As black people, we know that like, like all people, we have folklore and we have culture, right? So we have things that your parents tell you, your grandparents tell you, and it gets passed from generation to generation, yep. but people don't talk about homie in adulthood. So what I don't understand is how the transmission would happen between kids in the early 90s and kids in the 2010s, yeah. right? How well, does that you, happen? You're giving me a lot to unpack here. And yeah, I listen, I'm Think about it. I'm excited. Let's start at the, the base of what you just premised. You're suggesting that there is a almost like mythical kind of quality to homie, that this is, if he is in fact a real sort of like threat it is not just a threat of a weird dude with a van but has more of an it kind of quality where it's like kids are at threat and kids can see it better than adults can yeah and only kids that there's something that happens to you when you pass into adulthood that you can't see homie anymore Mm. and if you think about it bills (laughs) yeah i ain't got time for homie (laughs) i'm broke how am i gonna solve my personal problems right well i'm thinking about it a little bit like an evil version of like peter pan and the lost boys type Mm -hmm. of situation right like there's something where you get too old and you can no longer access homie like you can't see him anymore and maybe homie was never evil maybe he was only i don't know maybe he maybe there's something about his relationship to kids 
that we can't understand as an adult. But I'm very fascinated with him. You're you're getting to something that I think is really interesting because there uh, and I don't this feels pretty understood, but there's no empirical evidence that homie ever took a kid. Correct. Right. Like none of us know a kid that got took. By the clown. But everybody knows a kid whose cousin rode the school bus with -hmm. somebody who used to talk to their friend from down the block who got taken. Right. right? And and that's what's so I think that like I'm very interested in my work, not to like be real serious for a second, but I'm very interested in like (laughs) storytelling and how stories, which stories get told, you know? And so I'm so fascinated by like to me, this is a urban quote unquote myth, because is it a myth? We don't know. But if it is if we were to call it an urban myth, it's one that only exists within the culture of children. And we could think about it also, I mean, similar like the cousin to this, the white people's cousin to this is like Bloody Mary or Resurrection Mary, Mm -hmm. you know? Which, like, is another Chicago story. Yeah. And obviously Candyman, the OG, as well. Hey. Um, and so there's all these things that specifically kids talk about. But, like, I mean, and then the other really obvious thing that we have to mention is that there was a real clown, a real clown who murdered people, and that was John Wayne Gacy, right? Right. So the, John Wayne so, Gacy is a white man, though. Yeah. And homie is <laughs> black. John Wayne Gacy was a white man, but he killed everybody. He wasn't yes. discriminatory in any kind of way. He, no, he, he was took not. them all he out. Was open, Mostly he, white boys, but he he got everybody. I'm curious to know because based off of the premise that you set up, are you suggesting then that you do still believe in homie? You just now are unable to see everything that a child is able to see in your uh, belief, if that makes sense. I believe in homie uh, as much as I believe in America or any other (laughs) type of mythological (laughs) abstract concept. So I believe that there are things that humans invent to create sutures that bind together our culture and Mm -hmm. hold us away from the threat of chaos. And those ideas include things like nationhood, like Mm -hmm. religion, right? And so, and I believe that homie is in that category. I believe that really, honestly, Langston, homie is the only thing between us and the total, like, collapse of society. He's He's the glue. He's the glue that holds children's culture together. And that he does what all great urban myths do, which is there's, like, a moralistic tale, right? Which is, like, you have to watch out. Don't stray too far. Don't stand over by that fence. And the other amazing thing about the homie myth is the white van, right? Because Homie always has a white van. Now, white vans are just like everybody, you know, in a city like Chicago, white vans are ubiquitous, right? Because a white van is just somebody on their way to do whatever, contract work or whatever. And it's also about like in the 80s and 90s, there's all this like stranger danger fear. There's all this like urban, inner city, urban, whatever fear, you know. There used to be that sticker that they had on every door with the the guy in the big trench coat. And you could only see his eyes and the hat. He looked like Dick Tracy, but he was meant (laughs) to be a sign that like, hey, kidnappings happen here. Kidnappings happen. You know, Scruff McGruff is on TV Mm -hmm. at this time. Like everything is about scaring kids out of the idea and and scaring kids into compliance by letting them know that criminals are everywhere. Yeah. Right. But the thing about homie is also that like, it's such a specifically like black and like Mexican American Chicago thing that I Mm -hmm. also am curious about. Like I've never heard white people talk about homie, the clown, you know, Well, that's, that's interesting because in the little bit of research that I did, and I'm sure yours is much more efficient, but 
the research that I did, there are a lot of articles that sort of came out of white spaces, basically affirming the same timelines and the same opinions and fears from white kids, suburban right. kids, like all right. kinds of communities outside of our own. I do think, I mean, I was a suburban kid, right? Like I grew up in Oak Park. It wasn't as if like I was, and granted, I was tapped into a, probably a different lexicon, just being black in Chicago and my mom being, you know, all over the place, whatever. But like, I do think that some of this just to your point is allegorical right. and therefore right. it reaches further than even like race and culture. Can. Right, right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think that, it's just interesting that like real things that are empirically demonstrably real, like Damon Williams over here, John Wayne Gacy over here, that those things get synthesized into, you know, this mythos of homie that I think is so fascinating. I have to ask you, actually, I've been wanting to ask you, did you do you feel like in Oak Park were people talking about homie? It wasn't a constant fear, if that okay. makes sense. I think yeah, that yeah. I knew I've now like grown up and known people who were like on the south side and they were like. No, no, no. We talked about it every day. Like that was like a, <laughs> a thing that we were constantly right. concerned of. We're vigilant. And this is the other thing yeah. is that there's no phones during, the, right? There's no phones. There's no screens. Right. right? So yeah. part of this is also like, you're just a kid on the playground. It's four degrees outside, right? Like you're just right. standing around waiting for the bell to Which ring. Is, like, <laughs> what is there to discuss? I, I truly am. And maybe you'll feel this way. I truly am impressed that my parents kept me alive. Like the the, uh, the amount of times that I was sort of like meant to go home by myself right. and do things completely alone with no right. way of contacting me, no way of assuring that I made it safely from point A to point B. The the fact that I survived is truly a testament. Oh, it's and, miraculous. Yeah, it's a miracle. And yeah, that's why you need a homie the clown. You need somebody right. to like constantly be like. There is a murdering clown available to take you if you choose to not follow every step right. that I'm laying out for you. Right. Whether I'm there or not, because there's no find my iPhone. There's no GPS. There's no there's none of that, you know. And mm -hmm. yeah, no, I, I got my own key to the crib when I was seven. So, Shoot. you know, <laughs> so starting at age seven, it was like, you know, you come in, you let yourself in, you know, and we had neighbors and. There's a crossing guard. My mom was always telling me that the crossing guard was watching me, and, you know, but it was like, yeah, it was real out here. And so without homie, where would we be? Honestly, right. We just all kidnapped for out here. less, less silly reasons. That's we right. kidnapped for <laughs> it's not a clown. It's a grown man who wanted That's to do right. something way, I guess the same, but just meaner. That's right. Let me ask so. you this. How many of the people in your life? Have you shared this theory with and do you feel like they would support this theory or are they going like, Eve, you wild, <laughs> go write your books, but you acting up. You out here. Yeah. So I think, <laughs> you know, sometimes when you when you are party to a difficult truth, it can be hard <laughs> to bear the burden, you know, within a generation to bear the, sure. the, the heavy is the head that wears the homie, the clown, mm -hmm. uh, as they say. Uh -huh. And. I think that I have, this is not something I have widely discussed with my loved ones. Sure. I have told my husband, you know, that I have these, this, these opinions about homie. 
He's intrigued. He's fascinated. And is I he have, from Chicago as well? He's from New Jersey. He's from Newark, New Jersey. So okay. they have their own, it's, you know, they have their own stuff going on out there. But right. one person I have shared this with, who I believe has been a guest on the podcast, is our our dear mutual friend, Nathaniel Armstead Marshall, Nate yeah. Marshall. And I told Nate, you know, I was, I'm going on Langston's podcast and I'm going to talk about Homie the Clown. And he was delighted. Uh, he was thrilled. Beautiful. You I know, because that. he, he shares my affinity for hyper local, um, <laughs> hyper, <laughs> hyper local content. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's really hard. It's really hard when you know something that you know the rest of the world isn't ready for. Well, that's it's really, a, that's, it's really tough. I have to imagine is also a hard part of sharing it is that because it's so localized, there's there's something almost crazy in that, right? Right. Where like right. You, it's like when people argue about fucking hot dogs, right? And it's like, <laughs> well, these are the best ones, and these ones aren't good. But you don't you don't have a way of communicating, right? Why right. it's the best or what makes it different? It just is. It's it just is. It's just head. facts. Yeah. Right. But I didn't experience it, so I don't know. You tripping over right. mustard? Relax. It's like the pizza thing. The pizza, the quote unquote debate, really gets on my nerves because when people are like. Oh, Chicago style pizza, you know, da 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 da. Is this is that. It's like we don't Chicagoans. We don't eat deep dish pizza on the regular. Like you don't. You're not like Friday night <laughs> pizza, right? It's like a celebration food. Yeah. It's like a cake. It's like getting a birthday cake. It's not a thing that you eat. We eat regular. We eat tavern style little squares of pizza. That's the true right. Chicago. The true Chicago style pizza that you will not get as a tourist is a little square, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And, it's a pizza uh, that, that gets cut up in 68 squares right, of 68, tiny little very pieces. Small, very <laughs> small squares and you have to eat 12 pieces to feel like you've had a meal, you know. Uh-huh. That's real Chicago-style pizza. So I'm like, we're not even entering on the same conversation. And with, with, with the homie, with the matter of homie, the Damon Wayans part makes it complicated because it's weird to say, I'm going to tell you about something. You already have heard this phrase and already know what I'm talking about, but you don't. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, and he hits you on the head. They're like, yeah, yeah. Like Damon Wayans. I'm like, no, it's not the same. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's very, it's very complicated. And as I said, I'm very grateful to have the chance to come on the show today and finally tell America the truth about <laughs> homie. Let me ask you this. Do you think that part of what kids are seeing is intentionally being placed there by adults? Because that's that's part of where I'm trying to make sure that I'm understanding how the allegory exists. Does the right. allegory merely exist because we morally are sort of checking ourselves as children? Or is that something that adults are intentionally sort of like planting the seed? They can't see it anymore, but a child's imagination allows them to build the world of it. the white van. That's such a good question. I think Thank that, you. I rehearsed it at home and no, uh, it was prepared it. You're a professional. <laughs> you know, okay, so I, I hope I'm not jumping the gun by bringing this up, but no. there's this article from probably like 1992 or 1993. And it's a newspaper article in Chicago, and it's about police investigating claims of homie. Have you seen this article? Do you know this article I'm talking I about? I believe so, but so, I could be, yeah. So it's from the early 90s, and it's Kids were going to their teachers and to their parents and saying, I saw this white van and it's homie the clown. And police, the Chicago police department was like, we are really, we are taking this seriously. We are looking into it. We have not found any evidence. Right. And I think that that moment is funny because it's a moment where like the lore of children crosses over into like actual law enforcement. Again, this is the 90s is the time of everybody's scared of child abductions. They are they're trying to take this really seriously. There's like there's a what mm-hmm. and a who. And then in the article, they're like reports, you know, reports come from like, you know, Avondale 
Englewood, back yeah. of the yards and Roseland, right? It's like right. all these places that are like nowhere near each other, right? Uh-huh. And it's like, but which is also fascinating because on the one hand, it's kind of a tell that like maybe this story isn't quite what it seems to be because most child abductors, I don't really, I'm just talking because I actually don't want to talk about, but I assume that most child abductors are not driving like literally all over yeah, the Yeah, that's gas money. Yeah, I was about to say, those places are bad. Spots. <laughs> You're driving a 1984 Chevy Astro. <laughs> no, nah, you like, can... You can find enough murderable kids in within the <laughs> right. five city blocks right. that you, you go live to in. one playground. You go to the one playground <laughs> where you know the teachers aide like has to take a smoke right. break every two minutes. You know, like you're not gonna drive from North Lawndale, you know, not at to, all. <laughs> to, yeah. uh, to Pullman uh, to find some kids. So anyway, to answer your actual question, I think that the role of like the older kid is really important here, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the kid who is like. 10, 11, 12, 13, right? Yeah. When, you're, when you're five or six or seven, that kid is old, old, right? Yep. And so that kid is also still a kid. And so they're very susceptible to like hearing and perhaps misunderstanding information. So I think that adults were saying scary things around kids and that the older kid who was kind of like in this interwoven space between the young and the old, right? Yeah. Uh, between the child childhood and adulthood, that they're the ones who kind of transpose this into the realm of myth, which they then bring as a cautionary tale dutifully to their younger brethren. I really like that. I think it hits home for me in a way that I'm, I'm the oldest of five, but I'm substantially older than all of my siblings. The next in line is 10 years younger than. Oh, I wow. Am. And so in that way, I know that there's like a lot of mythology that I probably handed down to my siblings that they then took as fact, even though it was just me being a kid and having my own fears and traumas that right. I'm attempting to right. unpack or figure out in front of them. But it's like, no, I'm technically an authority figure. And right. now I'm giving you this information and that becomes permanent in you and you pass it down maybe to a kid younger than you and blah, right. blah, blah, blah. On the kindergarten, on the kindergarten uh, playground. Exactly. Yeah. And so homie lives forever. Right. Homie lives forever. I used to ride the bus for school to school. Um, and the riding the school bus is also where a lot of knowledge is like um, mm-hmm. shared among kids because there's no supervision. There's There's one adult. <laughs> Right. There's one adult in like and it's 40 not kids. a good adult. It's not. It's, it's a bus driver. So they're trained to drive a bus. They're not trained to, you know, manage kids. Uh-huh. And if they were, they're in this position where like physically they can't see any of the kids. Right. right? And they're also dri- literally driving a bus yeah. through the streets of Chicago. And so the other thing about the school bus for me is that I went to a magnet school. And so the school I went to was very racially and socioeconomically diverse. But then your bus is based on where you live. Right. And so the bus people is like the people who are from your neighborhood and they're and they know all they know your business. They know that one time, you know, your parents push you out and it was you didn't have, Mm -hmm. you know, they know everything about you and your situation and where you live and what your building looks like and what your block looks like and all of that stuff. Um, and so, and it's a totally aged, right? It's kindergarten through eighth grade. My school bus was kindergartners through eighth graders all on one bus. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's where a lot of knowledge, a lot of knowledge gets And I, I will say, it sounds to me like that also is how that no- knowledge sort of cross-pollinates with communities right. that otherwise would not have had it. Right, that, right, like, exactly. you're snitching to these other magnet school kids exactly. who then take it to their neighborhood that's very far from where you live. And now we all got home me 
it be right. when we previously maybe did not in our brain. Even if you think about like the way a conversation happens on a school bus is that there's two people sitting next to each other talking, right? Or there maybe you're talking across the aisle to your friend or you're talking to your friend who sits next to you on the bus. And then there's other kids listening right. through like a leather seat, yeah. you know, <laughs> and you can't see each other. Like the more I think about it, the more of a extremely bizarre social experiment this is because. Yeah. And also when we were kids, it was like you did not wear a seatbelt. None of us wore seatbelts. Do they wear you know? seatbelts now? Is that like something they're know. telling they kids to do? They have them. Well, they have. Well, I've I've been a chaperone. I've chaperoned some field trips. Yeah. And sometimes they do have the kids wearing the seatbelts now. Yeah, it's Damn. really wild uh, out here you know man. but they're also those type of old they're not full seat belts that go across the front of you so it's the kind of seat belt that, that might cut you in half metal and uh leather <laughs> the strap yeah <laughs> you know yeah and it might save your life but it also might bisect your entire body i was gonna say you're probably gonna <laughs> might uh, slice cut you in half if this dude stops too slow right right wow um, anyway <laughs> All right, well, we're going to take another <laughs> break and we'll be back with more Eve Ewing. No! And more Ewing and yes. more My Mama Told Me. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. And we are back. 
who like teenage girls. When you say teenage, how are we talking? Yeah, we're back here with more e-viewing. More my Oh my god, I'm grimacing. Me. I'm grimacing at the R. <laughs> Kelly. You're wrong for that. You're wrong for that. We're we're still talking about Homie the Clown, the legend of Homie the Clown, be him real or fake, and certainly the massive effect it had on on our childhood. Right. Childhoods and the childhoods that followed many years. You got later. me thinking about R. Kelly now and the way that R. <laughs> Kelly is related to Homie the Clown, and I'm so disturbed. Uh oh. Tell me about this connection. Well, because part of it is like the thing about so we were already talking about like the all myths exist as cautionary tales against real threats. Yes. Right. And so we tell ourselves, we tell kids, we tell people in our society about mythological pseudo real things to as a controllable way to warn them about real things. And, you know, R. Kelly really was out here, right, preying on young people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just thinking about, and using schools as a space to do that. So I'm just thinking about, I don't know, I'm just, that's just like a bizarre connection. And I'm also thinking about the fact that R. Kelly ha tried to have his laptop while he was incarcerated and said he was going <laughs> to make music. Hey, come on, my man got to make beats. He can't, you can't take and that And then how that, that woman who was a preschool teacher posted all that money to bail him out and just, I have, I'm just... I never yeah. stop being upset about R. Kelly. He's so upsetting. I, I do think at a certain point we just have to settle into the fact that like it, it, what is done is done, and hopefully now finally some version of justice gets served. But I am uh, especially interested in what you're saying about the way that like these myths take on a form, and so mm -hmm. uh, and maybe even transfer forms. That in some ways, Homie the Clown is R. Kelly, right? That like. We are afraid that your kids get snatched or that right. you could be taken away. And instead of facing the actual monster, which is the dude that's singing on the radio, right, we create exactly. a mythical one that, you know, has a big clown That's more controllable. And, exactly. Right. And if anything, like the figure of somebody like Homie the Clown also lets somebody like R. Kelly do what he does. Because mm -hmm. if you think that what a child abduction looks like is that a dude in a clown suit is going to yep. jump out of a van and hit you in the head with some rocks, right? Uh, then you are less. And I think that that is still like when it comes to sexual assault and like kidnapping in our country, that's what a lot of people think it is. They think it's most likely to be a stranger jumping out of a bush. And those things do happen, but it's just not as common as, it's far you know, the common. dude who tricks you. Yeah, or somebody that you know very well. Exactly, or, exactly. Or has been a partner, a family member. Yeah. All of that. So anyway, I'm sorry I've ruined your comedy podcast, but you did it. You brought R. Kelly into it. So that was your no, fault. No, this is my fault. And I made mistakes and I got to own up to that. Let's get into this research. Uh, I think that one of the things that you've hit on all the important parts, that it's around 1991 that this sort of figure starts to emerge, Homie the Clown. And largely it becomes connected to the In Living Color character from Damon Wayans, but a much more sinister version. One of the things that I ended up finding was that there was basically a shit ton of media that in 1991, 1992-ish that started to at least try to address the thing. And to your point, it becomes this really fascinating thing where it's similar to the way that like the FBI eventually had to just acknowledge that everybody was saying Melania wasn't the real Melania. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, they have to answer. A, it rises to the level that has to be addressed. It has to be addressed. By the way, something... that is not the real Melania. I'm just going <laughs> to. That is not Melania. Melania. That is the Melania sure. bot 2020. I, That's all I have to say about that. 
All right. Well, Melania by 2020, that's who I'm voting for next time. But I, I will say <laughs> that, like, it's that same energy, right? Of right, like, right. so many people are talking about this. It's so widespread. So many children are being haunted by it that we're starting to see it in the media. So in on October 9th, 1991, WFLD TV ran a 30 second news Fox spot. 32. There you go. Sa- uh, saying that the police were treating Homie the Clown as an urban legend. Which, while they're denying it, they're also acknowledging, like, hey, that shit you're scared of is uh, legit in some right, sense. Right, right, In that the police have to release a statement about it. Exactly. And then two days later, the Chicago Tribune ran an article called Police Taking Clown Sighting Seriously. <laughs> Which is the opposite! <laughs> 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 where they're yeah they're completely disrupting the attempt the police made to be like no this is this bullshit real. right we're not dealing with this but then the chicago tribune was like i don't know these motherfuckers look like they're taking it seriously right. to me. and then my beautiful hometown on october 16th oak park in their wednesday journal ran the headline police dismissed youth sightings <gasps> of deviant clown as unfounded so Wait, read that read that headline again. Youth sightings specifically? Yeah, yeah, yeah see, this is deep. This is deep. Police dismiss youth sightings of deviant clowns as unfounded. What an amazing headline. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, these kids, that shit's unfounded. Right. They don't know what they're talking about. Wow. Yeah. Deviant clown. All the other clowns, totally. The clowns that are on the straight and narrow, very real. Yeah. Deviant clown, false. Well, it's so funny that you should bring that up because there's, I read a few things that sort of talk about the fallout that came with Homie the Clown for all of the other clowns around oh, town in Chicago. Not so, the clowns around town. Exactly. They had a frown. They, <laughs> they were, were feeling down. Listen, they didn't like any of the rhymes. They were very right. upset with what was happening. There was this, there's like Happening quote, on the ground. Sorry, <laughs> <though>. <laughs> I'm there, in for a penny. I'm in for a pound. Okay, I'm done. All there right, go. get it all out. Just get it no, all out. Those system. are all the rhymes. Those are oh, all the rhymes. Okay, here we go. The, there's a quote from this dude, Cleo the Clown who was a longtime clown in Chicago, apparently very reputable, very respected. Not deviant. Not, not deviant. deviant at all, at least, you know, by his own claims. Who knows what Cleo the Clown is doing in his personal time. But he said, I do remember kind of a rise, especially in black and Latino neighborhoods, of backlash and negative response. It was mm. discrimination against clowns in general. People no. crossed the street when they saw him coming and called him names, including homie. Oh, no, this is so sad. <laughs> Poor Cleo. He was discriminated against. He said it was discriminated. No, so Cleo the Clown is a black clown, I'm presuming. Black clown, that's right. Okay, so he said it's discrimination against clowns in general. Oh, this is so sad. Wow. Well, it is the sad. The fallout. It, it is sad, but then it gets it gets funnier <laughs> and sadder because he goes on to say, I used to say, homie the clown carries the stock, right? I carry a Louisville slugger. <laughs> I say, I'm Stop. not homie. I'm homie's older brother. I'm I'm from the hood. Homie's not from the hood. How far do you think homie would get on your block before people would take that sock and beat him with it? It's like, Stop. Cleo. Stop. <laughs> I don't Cleo know what your argument is. Cleo don't protest too much. Right, <laughs> Cleo, what exactly? So Cleo started out being like, it's really sad how people are scared of me because they think that, that clowns beat each other, mm-hmm. which I totally will do. Yeah. If, if you cross me, I will beat you with a baseball bat. He was like, listen, wow. I hit you with something way harder than a sock. It's a bat. Right. It sounds like Cleo has a different beef and he's not quite willing to admit it. But it sounds like Cleo's real beef is that he feels like he got swagger jacked a little bit. By, uh-huh. You know, like he feels like 
homie is biter and he feel like he he's the og hood clown right like hood clown has been his identity and he yes. had a sacrifice to, to cultivate that identity he had to be out here at these backyard parties you uh-huh. know, for years putting in work maybe risking being mugged from time to time yeah. carrying his louisville slugger to protect himself maybe cleo you know cut somebody from time to time as needed or just you know let the threat of cutting somebody be a presence yes. in his interactions and he did all that work just for Damon Wayans to ride off the coattails <laughs> of his family name, get on television, and claim the mantle of hoodedest clown right. know, uh, around, hoodedest tech clown around town. <laughs> and Cleo is not—he's not here for that. So I think that Cleo is at that point. It was personal for him. I, I, I love know? what you're saying. I've always maintained this. Cleo, thing. if you're listening, I support you. I'm sorry for what happened. <laughs> I think that Chicago is a city filled with haters in the most beautiful. <laughs> majestic way that a hater yes, can so be true. We, we really are a bunch of haters yes, and i think haters. that cleo's exactly that he's seeing damon wayans get off on a character that he's fucking perfected right. for years and this dude's doing it as a throwaway for a three-minute sketch right he's bitter and he's angry and then it becomes fucking violent now right. he's now dangerous. i'm losing work now yeah. i'm losing work off of this yeah no it's it's so real and you know for a chicago and the number one insult is he ain't even from Chicago. You ain't even from here. He ain't even from here. So right. how you gonna be? How are you? Right. He's not even. He ain't even. What? Where is he? He's from. You know, Winnetka and whatnot. Like, <laughs> so that's rough. I'm sorry. Tough look for my guy Cleo. Cleo, if you're listening, I hope you're still clowning. I shout out that, to Cleo. Huh? Shout out to Cleo the clown. So one of the yeah. things that that I became particularly interested in, and you you sort of brought this up earlier about like sort of like the weird relationship that Chicago has with clowns, right? So first we have the Bozo show. Bozo, a Chicago original. Chicago original goes from 1960 to 2001. If ever you wanted to watch kids throw balls in a cup in the morning, this you, is it. you could watch Bozo and his homies do that every single morning. And yes. so that's a, a kind, sweet relationship right. in some ways that we, we have Bozo. with clowns. But then we also have John Wayne Gacy who murders 33 young men and boys and then like basically buries in their, the 70s though right in the 70s that's right. right but one of the things that is argued in terms of i started to think about like why a clown and this goes to your mythology of it all why are we picking a clown and where is this fear of clowns coming from and there are plenty of people who argue that this sort of like active fear of clowns that exists today is born in the 70s from like the Stephen King novels and the John, and John Wayne Gacy wow, and that's like deep. all these other parts, right? That's really deep. You know, I I want to say I want to say shout out to Bozo. I love Bozo. Mm-hmm. Bozo, I used to watch Bozo every morning before school and when it was time for the grand prize game, that's when I knew it was time to go catch the school bus. Oh, and, and, it was like a timing yeah, no, not the grand prize game, the grand march. So after the grand prize game, which is which we just call Bozo Buckets, right? Which yep. is just throwing a ball <laughs> into a bucket. Then there's the grand march, which is the closing parade where Bozo and all his friends march around the TV set and all the kids who've been in the audience get in the parade and they march around. Yeah. And it's so funny to me because I feel like a lot of people, like obviously everybody knows Krusty the Clown, right? Uh-huh. But Krusty is Bozo, right? It's, it's yes. like the idea of like the kids in the audience. I think a lot of people don't know that that is a Chicago thing. It was WGN. It was nationally syndicated, right? Yep. And as you said, it ran all this time. So I love Bozo. And Bozo buckets this game of like standing behind a line and trying to throw a ball into a bucket. 
going back to my time as a teacher, this was also something we would do at every field day, at every, like, a birthday party. Oh. It would be like, where you know, what games are we going to play? We're going to play tug of war. We're going to play kickball. We're going to play, you know, 16-inch softball. And we're going to do bozo buckets. We got to do bozo buckets. <laughs> got to do bozo buckets. <laughs> and, the kids, and then the other thing I want to say about bozo is that I was in the audience of the bozo show when I was in kindergarten. Okay. And we got to go sit. My mom knew a guy who knew a guy, and we got to sit in the audience and watch the Bozo Show. Did you? You didn't make it, it onto the. I did not make okay. it onto the grand prize game. It was the Halloween show, and so mm. I was wearing a Halloween costume. I was Batgirl, nice, and which was a pair of footy pajamas that my mother had sewed <laughs> a yellow Batman logo onto. I was uh, very comfortable back then. I was, it was great, and a Zorro <laughs> mask, and I had a Zorro mask. That was my costume. It was like these pajamas, a mask, and a Batman logo. Uh, Cause you know the Tim Burton Batman had just come out like two years prior, right. so I was I was killing the game. Yeah, I was riding a wave. I was Batgirl for like four years. I love hey, that costume. I'm not mad at that. That's hey. beautiful. So I got to meet Bozo, and I don't remember anything from the show other than the the grand march at the end. And I remember that my mom tried to tell Bozo like who their f- mutual friend was, and she was trying to talk to him while the show was happening, and I was embarrassed by that. So oh, your mom heckled Bozo. No, she was trying to be like, hey, Bozo, you know, like you and me, you know, like when people are trying to tell you, oh, Langston, you know, I know I went to you. You don't know me, yeah, but, yeah. you know, your cousin. You right. Know, but this nigga's at work. He ain't trying to process all on that. A, on a camera is rolling. Right? Yeah. So, like, <laughs> so I remember being like kind of embarrassed by that. And that was that's the, that's the main thing I remember from the show. But it was it was iconic is an iconic moment in my childhood. And Ex- I have a lot of love for Bozo. Extremely iconic show, especially, I think, for Chicago kids who had a TV to watch in the morning before they had to get on a bus or right. go to school. Right. And, be and I think there <laughs> it's a fascinating turn of clowns where in 1960 clowns are cute and right, then suddenly and make this transformation. Now, there are researchers who say that the bad clown mythology actually goes all the way back to ancient Greece. That like there, there used to be and that these ancient Grecian clown people actually influenced like the court jesters and the Harlequin characters that Ooh. follow years later. And they even point to in the 1500s the uh, conception of Punch, the the clown puppet. Oh yeah, like Punch and Judy. Exactly, who used yeah. to beat his his lady Judy over the head with a stick. So was, much so that that was his whole name. He was named after what he did. What he <laughs> did to the woman that he spent That's all his cool. time with. No, right. I don't think I don't think Punch is uh, making it through the Me Too movement. <laughs> no, Punch is a bad clown. We're gonna have an infographic on Instagram after the show of good clowns and bad clowns. R. Kelly, bad clown. <laughs> Punch, bad clown. Bozo, good. Bozo, good. Good clown. Good mm-hmm. clown. Krusty. Uh, Krusty is in between. Krusty is, proves that there's truly no borders in life. That's you satire. Know. We can we can chop right. that up to satire. <laughs> right. Wow, that's crazy. This is where I think it gets uh, even more interesting because you started to talk about how your students were uh, still actively sort of living in this mythology even years after. Yeah. And how did they get it? Where did they hear it from? Well, it's it's an interesting because I don't know if you remember this, but in 2016, there was there became like this nationwide yes! resurgence of creepy yes! clowns, right? Yes, that yes. Like 2016, people all over the country, really, Chicago being a place where it was happening a lot and in, in partly because of that homie the clown sort of legend. But right. people dress up as creepy clowns and go stand 
in the woods, in parking lots, sometimes driving cars and threatening people or at least making people massively. I totally forgot about that. I mean, partially because like, you know, a lot else was happening. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Wait, that wasn't the biggest issue of 2016. 2016, I forgot about that. And you know what? A lot of that. So I've never seen or read it. And so I always like, I obviously know Pennywise, the character, but I've always like a little bit, uh, like it's always a little bit above my head when people, and then I also links and can I tell you the real secret? I actually really like clowns. Like, I really, I really like clowns. I'm going to stop you right there. That's how they get you. That's how they get you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. No, thank you. I really like clowns. And so I think that like, whenever people are like, oh, clowns are scary. Clowns are this clown. I'm always like, yeah, but. I really, I actually really like clowns. I think clowns are fun and funny. And I, until, you know, when they, it's good that they shut down Ringling Brothers because they had those elephants living in like New York apartments and whatnot, like no space, but that, that's not good. But I, I used to love to go see the clowns and I love the Universal Circus and I love, I just think clowns are funny. I don't know. I'm just like a kind of a loser. So you see a a creepy clown, one of these resurged uh, creepy clowns standing somewhere and you're not haunted. This doesn't haunt your nightmares. Oh no, I mean, those clowns are intentionally very frightening, but I Mm -hmm. think that like, the, I think that it's a little sad in our society. Much, I think I agree with Cleo here. You know, our man's Cleo is that like, <laughs> I think it's a little sad that it used to be, I think it used to be that like clowns, most people were like clowns, good. And then a minority of people were like, I have a clown phobia or I'm, I really have a thing with clowns, which was okay, fine. People have all type of phobias. Mm-hmm. I, have a, I have an aunt who is deathly, I'm not even kidding with this very serious. Like she has a, a deep phobia of paper clips. Whoa. Which is like a repair, like the, and if you ask her about it, she says it's like the way that the way they are shaped is very disturbing to her. And when I was a kid, I used to think it was really fun to like torment her about this. And then as an adult, I realized this was like a a literal, very real phobia, right? So people have all type of phobias. And it used to be that it was like, most people were like, clowns are good. But some people were like, oh, clowns, I have a clown phobia. Now I feel like the the idea that clowns are creepy or bad is more like the default in our pop culture. Mm-hmm. And when a lot of people think about or talk about clowns now, that's like where they go to. Now, granted, I don't like go to a lot of children's birthday parties. And so maybe there's a corner of the world where um, clowns are still A-OK. But I think it's like I think clowns I have know. really taken a hit. Yeah, I, I don't actually know that. I certainly know adults in my life and we're both at an age where like we have friends and family who have right. children and are like raising full families. And right. Like, I never see a picture of like, here's my kid's second birthday. I got them a clown. Yeah, that I don't think that that culture exists anymore. And I think part of that might come from like this constant fear that we have now right. about like bringing strange adults around. children. Right. Which and, is going to be after COVID even more of a thing. Yeah. Like literally nobody that isn't uh, tested and blown blood related is probably ever going to meet a child that I raised but like <laughs> but 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 people still go to Santa people still take kids and they put their kid on a stranger's lap and I which maybe that needs to be works out in a good way like no, most of bad. those pictures are kids crying kids screaming, or feeling right. traumatized by the experience I was thinking about that the other day I was like y'all really getting these viral photos off and your kid is like scarred for right. life <laughs> no I think I think like clowning is an it's a hundreds you know it's hundreds of years old as an art form and I think it is actually really sad I think that clowns mm. need a resuscitated campaign I think that people need to be reminded of the good clowns not the homies and you know the the many hard-working clowns all across this world <laughs> who are really just trying to bring light-hearted 
you know, spirit. Although, can I tell you a, a bad clown story? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, so a few years ago, so my niece, she was probably like maybe three years old. And my mom was like, let's go to the Universal Circus, right? Mm-hmm. And which is really fun. You got to go every couple of years. It's wild, yeah. right? It's, it's, like, it's as much a party as it is a circus. It's ridiculous. It's a, yeah. it's a circus in a different type of way, right? So we go to the, we go to the circus and my niece is like, I want to take a picture with a clown. And I'm like, okay. Now, if you were, I don't remember the last time you've been to the Universal Circus recently. Not since but I was a child. A lot of the clowns are essentially bucket boys with like a wig on yeah, right? yeah. And so a lot of the clowns like they're just Hold kids on. who can I like stop you because we got to translate something okay bucket people. boys bucket okay. boys explain to the listeners what that is so a bucket boy in chicago is a young person almost always a boy a young man who is on a corner and who is raising money by performing like drumming on buckets mm-hmm. and it a lot of them are super, super good and super talented and yeah. it's really hard and they do this drumming really fast and they um, get money for doing that. But like, I guess what I'm saying is a lot of the clowns at the Universal Circus, they're basically like, they look like kind of like around the way boys. Mm-hmm. It's niggas. It's right, niggas, right, and, niggas and, and clown makeup. And they can dance and they yeah. have the bare minimum makeup and they have a wig on. <laughs> so, so those clowns are cool. My niece was like, I was like, okay, which clown? Let's go take a picture. And then she's like, that one and she points to the, the most i'll send you a picture of this after this over the most grimiest scariest perviest sketchiest looking clown i have ever seen in my life and he wasn't one of the like young dancers he was sure. just i was actually like is this just a dude who's right he just got on red lipstick smoking right. a cigarette oh, it was with a terrifying limp. super scary and i was like what about a different clown she's like no that clown <laughs> And so then, so I go down and I was like, sir, can we take a picture with you? He's like, absolutely. So my niece looks like me, right? She's obviously Mm -hmm. like, she looks like she could be my daughter. And so I'm holding her on my hip and we take this selfie and he leans all into me unnecessarily. And then he looks at my niece and he goes, tell your mommy, I'm going to be your new daddy. Jesus Christ. And I was like, okay, we're going to go now. It was so so terrifying and i was like and she didn't really hear you know she he said it to me but he was looking at her yeah. but obviously he was talking to me i was like my worst fears about this clown were absolutely confirmed and the thing about i can't this is, t- uh, I, I can't tell you how much i hope that that was cleo the clown i i, I hope with leave all cleo of my out heart. of this langston leave him <laughs> out of this leave him but it was so crazy because like as we were walking down there i was like eve you are prejudiced against this clown like you are judging him <laughs> Just because, you know, his particular makeup doesn't look as good as other, mm-hmm. you know, he's just out here trying to make a living. And then in our four second interaction, he was like, how can I maximize the creepy predatory nature of this nah. interaction? Right. So he was like, so if, we, if we take it a picture, baby girl, let's talk right, about it. Let's, let's do it. Let's, let's get, get, it, to let's the get it done. Right. Let's get on with the get on. So, um, so, but I still, I still maintain, I still maintain my positive clown. I think it's beautiful. And I think it's, it's impressive given this, uh, how little good news is coming out from clowns. <laughs> I'll, I'll hit you with a little bit more research on this, but apparently after the 2016 resurgence, a number of like media outlets then decided that the year later they would like preemptively write a bunch of articles warning people about the possibility of the killer clowns showing back up in various places. So much so 
But the following year, someone actually gets murdered oh because God. they're doing the killer clown shit, pretending to be an evil clown. And somebody in New Jersey just stabs the shit out of them oh in like self-defense from what possibly could be like a mortal threat. See, here's my thing. I have a rule in life. I don't do anything where if I die in the process of doing it, mm -hmm. my parents are going to have to be embarrassed and explain <laughs> my death for the rest of their life. This is a rule that I live by. When I'm about to do something, people are like, Eve, you want to go? Da -da -da -da, you know, I'm like, mm -hmm. if I get killed and people say to my mother for the next, you know, whatever her natural lifespan is, right? Yep. Decades. She got decades to go. Knock out, right? Prayers up. Yeah. For, oh my God, your daughter. Oh, that's so sad. What happened to her? <laughs> oh, she was dressed as a clown at a gas station <laughs> in Hillside, New Jersey, and she got stabbed because she thought it was funny to run up on somebody trying to make a vine. Right. Was she you know? making money? No, no. She just uh, loved the character. <laughs> just thought it was funny to try to make, you know, viral videos on the internet. I try really hard not to put myself in that situation to embarrass, to bring shame to my family. RIP to that person, though. That's that's It's wild. very sad, and there were there are a couple other incidents where violence sort of takes transpires because of these kinds of situations mm -hmm. but it made mm -hmm. me think how much of this is rooted in sort of like the response to homie so hear me mm -hmm. out i mm -hmm. think mm -hmm. that there's a possibility that a bunch of kids grew up like us hearing this legend of homie the clown particularly white children are hearing this legend of homie the clown in their own communities at basketball but not, camp they and go to not basketball. necessarily <laughs> feeling the threat that that right. young black kids felt in the way that right. because it's not as scary when you truly aren't out walking the street having to get yourself to and from a place independently. Right. And so then they grow up and they go, you know, what would be funny if I was homie the clown, if I <laughs> was the threat. And then Yo. they go out and dress up as the thing and become the haunting thing that was sort of born from our our own brains if that if you will yo that is so deep and so real because the thing is like the other very serious backdrop of it for us is that you know when you're a black kid you also really do know that you could get kidnapped and no mm -hmm. nothing nobody is like you won't get found right right and so like there's there's stories in the news about black kids that really do go missing yeah and you are not going to be on the cover of usa today you are not going to no. be you ain't even getting on the milk big boy no you, right, you, just right. you got milk money you just gone <laughs> and and so it's really like and like you said also if you're a latchkey kid during this time if you're just a kid who has to be in your neighborhood you also know that there really are scary people that you actually do have to navigate on yep. a daily basis that you really have to learn those skills. And so it's really not funny as a kid, right? And I yeah. totally, and it your theory, like, it plays so well to me because there's so many other things like that. I have a colleague um, who's a sociologist in Washington, and he writes about this as the phenomenon of living the wire. So yeah. he writes about, like, white people in D.C. who will move to certain neighborhoods in D.C. And they'll tell him, like, oh, yeah, like, somebody got shot on my block this week. But they're, they say it in this, like, kind of hushed tone of excitement. Right. Whereas Whoa. black residents are like, I'm actually very afraid of yeah. gun violence. <laughs> and so I think that that's that's just like so deep. It also reminds me of being at the protest and like the way like certain white people will run up on police and just be like, yeah, and yeah. you're just like, OK, buddy. <laughs> All right. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to die to death. Right. Like, this motherfucker still got a gun. Right. Relax. Come on now. Like. And so, yeah, that's so real to me, though. It's like literally putting on a costume of something that for us is like a mortal fear that's deep yeah yes. it, it's heavy Snaps. and it's Snaps. sad but it also 
good. If that's the person that gets stabbed, I'm okay with it. I'll make peace. <laughs> well, I'm still, I still hope that some clowns are listening to this and take my advice that we need a pro clown movement in this country. And uh, it's time for clowns to, to, to take back. Take back the clown. Take back your culture. You you deserve it. Take back your culture, you you idiots. And also, don't walk around in public with the makeup on. Maybe just show up at the place and then get dressed right. in the bathroom. But you what? You can't. <laughs> no, that's even worse. You have to show up as the clown at the party. You can't show up and be like, "Can I please use your washroom?" Hey, I'm James. Can I get in the bathroom right. real quick? Or 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 worse, you're changing in the van. That's it's yeah, so bad. No, that's way. You know what? Maybe clowns are a thing of the past. Yeah, maybe it's just a dead world. Maybe it's just a thing that used to be and is no more. I don't well, know. you. You heard it here first. You had, <laughs> first we were rooting for you. Now we're saying your job is defunct. You know, Sorry, it's a cold clowns. world. It's a cold world. All right, we're gonna take one more break. We'll be back with more Eve Ewing. More my mama told me. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. And we are that we're not going to let joe biden and kamala harris cut america's meat 
That's that on that. That's that on that. Yeah, we're back here. With Did he say Crown America's meat? <laughs> <laughs> it was like all during right, the, right, right. the okay. phase when Mike Pence was like going places and trying to reassure Americans that by was voting, that, you know, whenever you hear Mike Pence talk, I'm like, I have no idea who that is because he just he don't be talking. You that's know, my boy like, Mike Pence. That's that's Indiana's own. Indiana's yeah. own. He's got his own little weird molestation. He's so weird. Vibe. You know, what? I heard this podcast where they said that when Mike Pence was, when they were trying to convince 45 to pick Mike Pence as a VP. Yeah. Um, he was like, no, because he has too many pets. Like somehow, like Trump thought it was like very low class that a person would have like multiple pets. You know, Mike Pence has like a family, yeah. you know, and he's like kind of, a, I guess, like a pretty normal Indiana human, you know? Yeah, except for the uh, electrocuting gay people. He's- I said normal <laughs> Indiana human. Indiana. I'm sorry to the state of Indiana, but you know what? Hey, do y'all better. Y'all have to own. Y'all have to own your situation. <laughs> y'all got something to unpack. I'm from Chicago. I hear people say bad stuff about where I'm from all day, every day. The Indiana people, you just have to take it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think that's fair. You'll get no judgment over here. All right, let's play a game. This is a fun game that I like to call White, White Lies. Lies. Ugly. You are disgusting. I'm going to kill you. Give me two hundred dollars. White Lies. It's a fun game. In which I'm going to introduce to you a a widely believed white conspiracy theory, one that was spreading in the white community. And what I would love for you to do, Eve, is unpack where you think this conspiracy come from. And more importantly, why do you think the white man believes in it? What are these sneaky motherfuckers up to? I'm All so right. here for this. Here we go. This is a fun one. And it it's actually somewhat new to me, although it, it makes sense how this would happen. But there were arguments back during, uh, and you'll remember this, that the ice bucket challenge yes. was, a, was in fact really a satanic ritual. Oh, my God. That this was a, a mass trick to get a bunch of people to follow through with the satanic ritual and basically all like basically welcome the devil back to the earth. Did I miss a step two there? Is there? <laughs> it's like step one. No, not bucket, really. It was basically okay. It was like a that's form, it. Basically, like a move towards homage, really towards like human sacrifice. That okay. by us all participating in it, it was a satanic ritual that would like merge us with the devil and devilish sure, things. Of course, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Anyway, okay. my question for you: Why do you think the whites believe in this one? Oh, I I already know. Okay, the reason is because so first of all, the ice bucket challenge, ridiculous. Uh, I hope you. I mean, I, it was this on my head because I was doing a crossword puzzle yesterday. Yeah. Where the answer was ALS, and yeah. it was like disease helped by the white ice bucket challenge. So literally, I twenty four hours ago, I thought about the ice bucket challenge for mm-hmm. the first time in years. Okay, here's what the ice bucket challenge is really about. Yep. There is a thing where when you live a life of privilege and comfort. You want to bring unnecessary and bizarre torment, physical torment into your life um, <laughs> to experience a thrill, right? To feel something, anything, yep. right? And so I think that like a lot of white suburban people were dumping ice all over their bodies as a way of like feeling something Yeah. after like basically deadening their senses and their empathy for human suffering in the rest of their lives and not having everyday risks right (laughs) the fear of death that i you know that we all fear like every time we go outside so now the thing about feeling something is like there's a kind of puritanical root to white american culture Mm -hmm. that 
wants people to, you know, that goes back to literally the Puritans and early, you know, folks that consider themselves settlers of this country that were actually, you know, engaging in violent settler colonialism. And their religious practice is also about like deadening the senses, right? And so the idea is if you feel too much that that is inherently devilish. Whoa. It's really just about, like, this. there's this idea that to feel anything is devilish, right? Yeah. To, to, that the idea of feeling emotion or sensation, right, like, related to sex, related to joy, related to anything, that that's, like, hedonistic or devilish. Yeah. And so I think that it is the puritanical origins of white American culture that makes people susceptible to the idea that dumping ice all over your skin and the thrill that it presents is somehow satanic in nature. God That's my damn. psychoanalysis of that. Oh shit. Hold That's on. That's called motherfucking bars, nigga. <laughs> you know nothing about that. Oh man, you just hit something. I that was great. I, I'll say this. You hit a few things that I that really make a lot of sense for me. Number one, just the instinct of the ice bucket challenge. Like I think the original conception was somebody saying that this was the closest you could get to the feeling of ALS of like, see, I don't the, even know. Cause there's no, con- they, none of these people want to even talk about that. And that's what, to your point, that's what makes it so complicated, right? Is that it's conceived with like empathy in mind. And then a bunch right. of people skirt the empathy. They remove right. the pictures of the people suffering from the disease. They don't ever really even connect some of the links to remind people to pay for the shit or right. help pay for the shit. Right. They just are pouring buckets of ice on themselves to numb the feelings and, in doing so, they are, quote unquote, doing or rather the argument would be a satanic ritual because everybody's wincing and feeling something. Yeah, in the it's name shocking. Of and you feel thrill. Yeah. You feel anxiety. You feel anticipation. All those things are like very forbidden feelings. Yeah. Right? Very devilish and satanic feelings through this uh, worldview. And it's also like uh, anytime you say oh, I'm doing this to quote unquote bring awareness to something, that's how you know what you're doing is fake. Nah. If your whole plan <laughs> is bring awareness you need a new plan. <laughs> yeah, you. We're aware. The we're internet aware. exists. We're aware. <laughs> Do something else. Right. Wow. Well, I forgot about that. This was beautiful, Eve. You, you did a you did a beautiful job, and this was a great episode. Could you tell the kind people at home where they can find you and what cool stuff you got going on? Why, sure. Thank you so much. So you can find me on Instagram at eve dot ewing e w i n g on Instagram. I am still technically on Twitter, but I don't really be on there like that. But um, my Twitter name is Eve Ewing, and I go by the name of Wikipedia Brown, which some people think is my government name, which is very funny. <laughs> very, those people, not smart, not smart people. Um, and I have my next book that's coming out. Uh, I have a book coming out in July. It's a book for kids. So if you want to read something to your kids that doesn't involve clowns, you can mm. check out my book for children called Maya and the Robot, which is coming out in July. And you can read my Marvel comic books. Hell that's yeah. That's about it. And it, you won't see me on the street because it's COVID times and I'm staying in my crib. So. Hell yeah. Read Eve's books. She's great. This was a great time. And as always, follow me at Langston Kerman. And please, if you want to send us stuff, you can send it to mymamapod at gmail.com. I would love to hear all of your thoughts, your nonsense, your drops, whatever the fuck you can send me. Uh, I ain't got nothing else going on. So send it to me. All right. Get the fuck out of here. Bye. stuff.
The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.